Hey, this is Barbara Corker, and you are now tuned in to Business Unusual. And everything you ever learned about business, throw it out the window. I'm going to tell you the real deal. Listen in. Today, I'm going to answer all your burning questions about work, life, starting a company, getting on track, and much, much more. Be sure to call in to the Business Unusual hotline with your question at 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. So you want to start your own business, but you can't find your passion. Yep, I hear about that every day, and I'll tell you what I have to say about that. I'm also talking to a happy soul building a prosperous dog training business that she just loves. But she wants to hire great workers at a minimum wage, and she's barking up the wrong tree. Listen in. Hello, Barbara. My name is Melanie, and I'm out of Louisville, Kentucky, where I run a dog training business. And my question for you today is, in a market that is completely saturated for employment opportunities, how do I find an an employee that I have to train in-house on a very specific set of skills on a budget? Thank you so much. So, Melanie, how long have you had your dog training business? About five years now. Seems like it suits you well. You look like a happy person. I am. and It's the greatest job in the world, let me tell you. And uh, you started five years ago. How much has it grown in the five years? We've grown very well. I started as like a one-man band, just going to people's houses. And now I actually own a 20-dog facility. Last year, we upgraded from a 10-dog training kennel. And um, I think we're on on track to make our first million this year. Unbelievable. You mean billings or profit? Billings. Okay. If you said profit, I was going to run out to Louisville and buy that business while I can right away. (laughs) And out of the million dollars, what do you think you'll take home salary wise, bonus wise, or any net, net, net out of the business after your overhead? Um, Probably between 50 and 60,000. Yeah. You should be doing better than that. I would think. We have quite a bit of overhead with, you know, the animal care um, comes with a lot of, a lot of things that go into that. But I wonder who the we is. You spoke in terms of we, we, we three times. Who's we? I do have a business partner. Um, so I handle the dog side. Um, that's, that's my strong suit. And my business partner, she handles the sales and marketing and, and people side of the business. And how do you sell now if you're not going to people's homes? How does she sell? Uh, Um, We go to people's homes. We kind of do a hybrid model where we do training at our office and at the homes, but we do a lot of business through Google and a lot of uh, word of mouth referral business. Do you do, um, do you do uh, shampoos and things like that or strictly training? Strictly training and some, and some boarding for repeat uh, clients. Oh, I see. And is the boarding piece of your business growing? Yeah. Yeah. We could do a lot more if we wanted to. Um, but in the interest of keeping the quality of the training, I'm, I like to just keep it small and, um, you know, only do about 15 to 20 dogs at a time. Mm -hmm. And if you are boarding dogs, are you necessarily training them at the same time or are they separate functions? Like you board them and people then train them or it's an option on their part. Does it always come together? I guess is what I'm asking. Yes, we exclusively, we exclusively only board dogs that we have the intention of training. Okay. Now, if I had my dog come to you and be trained, he could sit, he could roll over, he could behave, he could do all the necessary things. And I yet, I wanted to go away for the weekend and wanted to board my dog. I think I would trust you more than anyone. Do you have a facility where I could just board that dog? 
Yes. And that's where it, it comes with the training, you know, while you're away, your dog gets their training manners brushed up on. Um, okay. And that function comes with the boarding. Ah, okay. So it's automatically rolled in. And do you charge more than the typical boarder would charge in the area because you're adding the training, the behavior yes. piece? Oh, yeah. Okay. Is it doubly as much or a 25% premium or? Um, I'd say about double. Double. Yeah, that's right. sizable. That's good. Mm-hmm. I would think that end of your business is going to grow naturally. The more uh, first time trainee dogs you get, they're going to naturally want to come back to you when they mm-hmm. trust you with the dog. And no easy feat, honestly, uh, finding someone you trust with your animal. It's yes, a, just absolutely. about as hard, I think, as, tr- as finding a great babysitter. People mm-hmm. put as much thought and concern into it. All right. So your real issue is uh, not that your business isn't growing. It is. Uh, you have great billings. Your bottom line is, five, well, if five to 6%, I, I still think I'd like to return to that in a minute, but let me leave that to the side. Okay. What's involved in training the dogs? You get a dog. Do they sign up for six things? Like they sit, they don't bark. They come when you call them. Is there a package? I just don't know the business. Yes. So, so, you know, majority, our, our methods of training, the majority of, of clients that we work with a lot of problem dog behaviors, we believe can be solved with basic leadership and obedience skills. So, you know, if we have somebody come and say, I have X, Y, Z problem behavior in the house, we're, we're telling them you need obedience, you need manners, you need self-control. Um, and so all of that is being worked on to fix lots of a myriad of issues. Basically, uh-huh. does that work as well in your facility outside the home as it does in the home? I would think the follow through the uh, owner might be half the problem most times. Yes. Yeah, so we follow a lot of with aftercare after our program. We, we're doing in home visits. The client receives two months of support and they receive unlimited access to our group classes. Um, they can come as much as they want. So, um, and we never leave anybody hanging. If anybody calls us with problems, we're happy to help. Wow. Gosh, I wish I lived in Louisville and I'd move there with my dog right away. Little Max. (laughs) I appreciate that. It sounds like a a great operation you have. And with your personality, you feel to me when I'm speaking to you and look the way you're almost like a doctor. You have such a nice bedside manner. I couldn't imagine uh, giving you my dog where you wouldn't do, do a great job. You're just one of those kind of people, right? Thank you. Yeah. Yes. So, so the biggest challenge you have in your business right now is getting the personnel competing in the open marketplace to attract employees. Yes, ma'am. That's yeah. correct. You're not afraid of training them. Uh, you don't have any concerns about holding them. You just can't get them in your door in your drawer because there's not enough people to go around, right? That's true. And and training them in, in the skill set to, to be where they need to be to speak with clients and and have the the skills that they need to actually be useful for me where I'm not supervising them and they're not shadowing me. Um, you know, that's costly for me to train, put that much training into somebody and then they up and leave because of compensation or lack of benefits. Uh Um, that's been the real challenge is holding on to people. And when you're paying people for the service of training dogs and working there, are they getting like the minimum wage that they would get at McDonald's or at a retail shop? Is it all even? No, once I would like to think once their training is, is completed and they're operating a little more independently of me, that it would be, you know, in the range of 
25 to even $30 an hour. That's um, a lot. Wow. I, I'm not afraid to pay some, the right person that's going to treat my dogs with, and my clients with dignity and respect, you know? Um, but obviously in the beginning, I have to recoup some of that time that I'm spending with them. So I'm listing the job as starting out as at 15 to $20 an hour. And but I think even $15 to $20 an hour is about uh, two to five bucks more than you'd get at a local McDonald's, right? Yeah. I think, I think so. so. Yeah. Neck of the wood. I really don't know Kentucky, but I would think that would be close. It looks like it's around 17 to 20 in, in my area is what I've seen. And the next guy is paying somebody starting off at a McDonald's. They're paying them as much as 17. That's what I've seen. I've yeah. seen around that neighborhood. And have you had people voice op- opposition to the uh, amount of money you're willing to pay at the onset or are people okay in coming in for interviews? I would say I've had a little of both. Um, I'd say, you know, some people that have tried to recruit already in the field, um, it's hard to get them in the door. Um, but people that are just optimistic and want to learn how to be dog trainers and love animals, it's a little bit easier to get them in, but the experienced people, um, obviously it's harder. Yeah. Well, I would give up on the experienced people. You have to pay more. Uh, the turnover rate is extreme. Like if you could pull them from somebody else, somebody could pull them for you. Something about training someone from the get-go, giving them these skills, uh, gives you about five times more of a shot at holding on to someone. It builds loyalty. I, yeah. I learned that myself building my business. And I see that with all the entrepreneurs I've invested in. When they can find their own and groom their own and instill their values, uh, it automatically instills loyalty. It's just very little turnover rate in the better run firms, you know, whereas recruiting experts from the outside, I have never really seen with a certain kind of position, maybe in a large management position, but I usually find it, it uh, it's not nearly as effective. May mm-hmm. I ask you, how many people have you trained and what has been your success rate at liking them after you, that they did an adequate job after you train them? And how would you rate them on a scale of one to 10? What you were hoping for and what you got, what would you say? I would say it's, 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 it's pretty high from people that I've trained from the get-go. I've actually recruited a lot of clients of mine. I've said, Hey, you want to oh. be a dog trainer? And that's actually been a really good avenue for wow, me. Smart. Good. Um, so that's worked out, but people that I've trained just coming up off the street, I'd say that rate is lower. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I couldn't put a number to it. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been that many over the years. So okay. how many people have you trained? I'd, cu- I'd be curious over the years. Um, that actually were employed with me, I would say around 10. Mm-hmm. That's enough to know how good you are at training, how good you are at recruiting, how good you are at hiring the right people and what your problems are. 10 enough, I think. I think you kind of get the lay of the land by the time you interview and hire your third person, what you're after, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And they give you a report card on how good you are as a manager as well. You know, it goes both ways. Um, Have you ever employed high school kids? Yes, um, they are invaluable to me. They are ones that walk my dogs, look after my dogs, do the daily feeding, cleaning. But do they train the dogs as well? They do. um, You know, during the summer, um, I rely on them for for some training, but they're not ones that I can send out to clients' homes which is a very, you know, another large part. Um, so I haven't found anybody for that. See, so, so may I ask you what would be, what percentage of the training overall is done in the client's home and what percentage is done at your facility? I would say it's probably about 60% facility, 40% in home. 
That's good. And uh, I guess you're probably trying to move the business a little bit more away from the in-house because it's a better business for you if they bring the dogs to your facility. Yes. More bang for the buck for sure. Is there um, a great difference in cost between training a dog at home and training the same dog in your facility, training them the same, same tricks, the same promises? Is it much cheaper at the facility? Um, No, it's much more expensive at the facility. So our Mm in-home model is we're coming out maybe once a week for several weeks and showing the owner how to maintain and, and teach the training from scratch. And it's up to them to, to follow through with it. Where at the facility, the idea is they're receiving a, a more finished product. When mm. the dog's done. Unless you have the at-home training at all as a business at this point, what if you got rid of it? What would happen? Um, I think we would lose that that kind of personalized feel, you know, it's a very intimate business. Surprisingly enough, I have to go in and some problems are due to a layout of, of the home or the energy of the home is wrong or, you know, a busy street. So I do learn a lot going there. Um, And do most of the dogs that eventually come to your facility, you start them at home, you meet them for the first time at home or or again, only 40% of them. Yeah, I'd say only 40%. Okay. So let me take a stab at your main issue, which is people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was curious to ask if you, if you use high school kids, all right? Uh, because I think that's ripe with opportunity for you. Okay. All right, and you've already discovered using some of them, okay? Uh, what they have going for them is wild ass enthusiasm. They're not that employable. In Kentucky, you only have to be 14 years old to work. Like in my city, you have to be 16. That's an advantage. Kids at 14, uh, in love with a dog. There's a passion there that you, that's almost palatable. I know my daughter has worked at a dog store for three years in high school. Uh, loved it. Just, she wanted to be near dogs. You know, she didn't care what she had to do just to be near dogs. She even liked the way dogs smell. I, I didn't get, I never got it, but she sure got it. Okay. But she worked with her heart and soul for way under the minimum wage <laughs> and would have honestly, he wasted his money because she would have worked for free. Um, but he wasn't smart enough to run a training program. He needed more help. What if you initiated a high school training program, mm-hmm. uh, had a one day after school, like an open house? And, a, and how do you get the word out? I'm not sure, but I'm sure it's easy enough. I mean, because Louisville is not a little tiny town. So let's say you had a training program after school, uh, a recruiting program after school, everything you ever want to know about a dog, how to train your dog, how to, you know, how to choose a good dog to train, you know, fish up something that is really sexy and appealing to the 14 year old mind, you know, and then have them all come and see who you like and then invite certain ones to join your training program. I don't even think you have to pay them. You might want to pay, but I don't even think you have to pay them, honestly, Mm -hmm. because you're going to train them how to be a, dog trainer and you're giving them the opportunity to work with these beautiful dogs that can only happen in your facility of course it's limited because you can't send them to the person's home but you could use your dog owners the older people to go to homes i mean you could divide your business like that you know but i could see young people adding energy to your shop you're almost having more young people than you have dogs to keep them happy and having a little university a dog university with its own official letterhead uh, you give them a diploma when they finish, uh, you promote them, and then you could start advertising. Uh, it, we train you at $17 an hour if that's all you could afford. I actually think you should match the minimum wage myself, but let's say you can't afford it. 
Um, but here's how you progress in my company. $70. Once you're an official trainer, after six months, you get $20. Once you're an advanced trainer, you get $22. Once you're an expert trainer, you get $25. I would, I see it printed like the progression for you to sell, you know? I think it would tighten up your business, uh, get people more vested. And I think you would widen your hiring pool by a lot because this competition among uh, starter positions ain't going away. It's competitive everywhere. Every business I own has a problem, but they solve it by being most creative and hooking people in. So it's really a creative writing course, (laughs) a creative writing pitch (laughs) and divvying up your business as to what really are the skill sets you need for each piece of that business? How could you milk these kids for everything, everything I got? And then use your more mature people where you must use them for the rest of your business. I think, I think that's a good idea. Okay. Okay, great. Thank that's you. my best shot. Let me know if okay. you do it. I hope you'll give it a whirl. I've seen it many times. And let me know when your profit reaches not 50 to 60,000. <laughs> Are you talking annually at that? At yeah, that? annually. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, what What neighborhood would, were you thinking in? Uh, no, no. I was just thinking. Um. You You have a million dollars in sales. You should have over, like, over five years. Oh. Oh, I'm so sorry. I thought you meant this year. No, no, ma'am. Oh, no. I'm so happy yeah. to clarify that. May I ask you what your uh, income was this last year? How our, our gross sales. Yeah, gross sales. Yeah. Uh, we did 380,000 last year. That's so much better. That's fine. Makes yeah. more sense. Yeah. I'm so happy yeah. you clarified that. I thought you did a million this year and you only took home 50 to 60,000. Okay. No. I'll okay. leave that alone. You're fine. That's, okay. that's about where you should be. I mean, nothing Thank wrong you. with being more greedy, but it's about where you should be. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's Barbara. Just call her. Hello, this is Barbara. Hey, Barbara. Huge fan. My name is Alex. I'm 25 years old. Just entered the workforce in 2019. My question to you is, um, how do I know if the typical nine to five is for me? I have this hunger to start my own business, but the issue is I don't know what I'm passionate about. I do know that I want financial freedom. That is the end goal. But the means of getting there, I don't think I can get there just alone on that nine to five. Any advice is appreciated. Thanks, Barbara. All right. So first off, you're in a great spot right now because you have the desire. That's where you start everything. You know, without that, it doesn't go anywhere at all. But what are you doing nine to five now? Um, I work for a managed service provider. We're an IT support system for small to medium sized companies. They're out of New York City. And um, I'm an implementation specialist. So once the sales closed, I take that customer and basically help them onboard, get situated with the system. Um, and then they're on their way using our services. So the skill set you're using right now is your technical knowledge to execute and do a good job. You wouldn't have your position, I'm sure. And the other thing you're using is customer service. You interface with the customer online, in person. How does that happen? Yeah, that's a good question. It's all through Zoom. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so they meet you through Zoom. They say, hey, here's your gal. She's going to make sure it all goes well. You've sent us your money. You've made the purchase. And here she is. So it's really rest on you to make the customer happy 
with the service and it curing the problem that they hoped they would cure. On a scale of one to 10, how good do you think you're at that? That's a good question. I think I have really high emotional intelligence. So even if I don't have the answer right away, I really do believe like eight or nine out of 10 because I can find out what it is they really want. And at least if I don't have the answer right away, find out where I can get the answer or maybe the closest equivalent. And I find that the customers are really happy with me because I act as their advocate. So then once they are off onto like a customer success support um, point of contact, they feel comfortable going into that role, knowing that they've left happy and have gotten their kind of questions or uh, problems resolved. Okay, so the next role they then go into is another department where they maintained and kept happy, but you're the interim role between the purchase and getting started. You're the get start girl. Yes. How do you know uh, you have good emotional intelligence? Do you, are you able to, to sense what's wrong with them or sense that they don't know how to ask the right questions or you can assess out the system and say, hey, this is what you need, baby. Let me help you with that. Kind of uh, more of the first and second. I feel, I don't know why. I just feel like I have a good sense of when somebody's not truly happy or if they're pretending or maybe they're a little agitated. I get that sense right away. And then when I do feel that, I will ask the questions that they've proposed to me back to them to ensure that I've correctly understood what their ask truly is so that there is no kind of miscommunication in what it is that they're seeking. And in the technology that you're dealing with, is a specialty? Is, does it have a narrow field or is it applicable to many fields? Yeah, that's a good question too. It is applicable. We do network support. So physical infrastructure, we also support and manage the users within your SaaS application. So um, making sure that we have like the admin accounts to add or remove those users. Um, and then there's also a propri proprietary software called Turbine. So when you're onboarding a new user, you can um, submit the onboarding through Electric, the company I work with. Would that uh, also be considered training? Yeah, that's a good question too. Um, and then the dashboard that they would be in to perform these requests would be something I would demo to them as a part of the implementation. So training is definitely um, a big piece of it too. Mm -hmm. And where did you get your specialized knowledge? Was it something you were educated to in a larger sense and you applied it here? Is this utilizing all of the knowledge that you've learned in school? I left uh, UConn in 2019 with a um, healthcare management degree. And with what that- kind of management degree? Healthcare. Oh, really? <laughs> of course <Yeah>. you did. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you look healthy. <laughs> Thank you so much. So my first job in 2019 was um, with an electronic health record company. So I learned kind of the, I also feel like I had a good technical, uh, like a, I'm easy to adapt with technical kind of products, but I learned a lot of the, the technical pieces on the last job, which was, um, another software that I helped implement with hospitals. And then um, I moved to Jersey City um, in August. That company is based out of Massachusetts. They couldn't support me living in that state. And that's why I found this job and kind of took the technical piece, but changed the industry that I was in. 
I see. Very, and it was rather easy for you to change the industry because the important part was the technical piece, right? Exactly. Could that technical piece apply to many other industries as well, or is it just to those two alleyways? I guess I never really thought about that. Um, I would say, in my opinion, every industry is using some piece of technology nowadays. So with that, I would say it's not limited to those two industries. Mm -hmm. Now, one more question. I think maybe my last one, <laughs> everything you do every day, what are the parts you enjoy most and what are the parts you wish you could have somebody else do? Enjoy most. I love seeing the satisfaction of a customer. So, it, but then on the other side of that, I do feel like um, it is kind, kind of draining at times um being able to maintain customer relationships so it is kind of a double-edged sword in that uh -huh. in that respect and that's that's your summation of it you you enjoy most the customer interaction but you also enjoy it at least when you could speak because it's tiring but you enjoy that aspect of it more than the technical execution that's a good no you're right i definitely like going into the system and configuring um when it comes to making sure different interfaces are connected or documenting credentials i guess to take a step back sitting down with my head down at the computer not talking to anybody probably is my favorite part because I can oh my god you surprised me on that actually <laughs> i know it, it's weird because i i find joy out of talking to different people and learning about different industries because the customers come from all over but i enjoy my day more when i'm not talking to them and I'm just kind of doing the work. You know, you're one of the few people I've ever met that will admit to that. It's true of so many people, but I don't usually have, especially young people, readily admit that. You you have a good sense of who you are for sure, right? Thank do you, you hire people in your position at all or train colleagues how to do it? And how do you enjoy that? Um, that's a good question. I at my tenure, I'm not so much training internally but i have suggested to my company that we adopt kind of a a program where because my onboarding and they are a newer company was a little bit rocky i wanted to provide my feedback that i think having an internal mentor would benefit that new onboard employee i think they are working to get that kind of implemented company wide but for the time being um i do believe i would be good at training internally it just hasn't been an opportunity that i've been presented with yet do you think uh, they're going to have to have their toes held to the fire to make that happen or you think that's going to the culture of the business though they will make that happen i think they will make it happen can you run that can you offer to run that the execution of that that's a good point i did present to our director of people um kind of just like a slideshow i put together some benefits on why i think the program would um succeed and the way it was kind of taken back was that they were going to review it internally with their people team, but there was no real um, there was no real understanding on whether or not I would have a hand in it once I passed. Did you ask for the job? I didn't. Mm -hmm. That's a very female thing to do. Uh, put a man in the exact same position with the same slideshow, the resolution of a problem, suggestion of a new direction for the business. And they would have ended it with saying, and I want the job. Not too late at all. You don't have to, you know, you could always ask for a job. Okay. Um, if you were given that job to make that initiation come true, 
uh, would you feel really pleased with staying where you are and satisfied? I would. Yeah, I do love the idea of taking this is why I love implementation as you take something and then you see it through to completion. And I feel like that would give me a sense of um, an idea, execute it, and now it is a it's something that we're using day to day in the company. So I would feel happy. It's not that I'm not happy. It's just I feel this underlying pressure that maybe I'm not doing enough. And where does um, that come from? I think that mostly stems from like social media, comparing myself to other people and seeing the truth, gosh, not from your parents in any way, right? No, not from my parents in any way. It's just seeing these people with multiple uh, streams of income. And it's like, what am I, what am I not doing? Or what could I be doing more of to also kind of obtain a second income? Well, let me tell you, by 25 years old, you should have really conquered the world by now. I don't know what's taking you so damn long, you know? <laughs> Lisa, get you laughing at yourself. May I ask you, are your parents self-employed? What, what did they do for a living? Yes, my dad is self-employed. He's an accountant and he has his own company. And um, my mom is, she was an administrative assistant to an eye doctor, but now she works at a supermarket as a greeter. Okay, so I'll, I'll tell you what I'm, I'm hearing, okay? Uh, oh, one more question, sorry, just sort of another. If you got that position and could implement that program, visualizing doing it for your existing firm, if you could do something like that for yourself, would it be more exciting? or more exciting with the infrastructure behind you to support you at the existing company? I wanna say it would be exciting to take it independently. I think I have this very limiting fear that I couldn't do it without the backing of the infrastructure at the current company. What specifically would you think would be your best, the best part of that? What would you get for, from that company? Yeah, it, it all comes back to the comfort of having people if I didn't know the answer and I was independently doing something it's almost like who do I lean on in the case that I don't know what to do next whereas here I feel very supported and if I am confused in any way I know who I can lean on to resolve those confusions. Have you been leaning on people to resolve confusion since you started there at points along the way? I have yes. Yeah okay all right so here's what I think. You identified, first of all, it's amazing uh, that you're questioning yourself, all right? I think even if it's half pushed on you by social media, that's not a bad thing, uh, but making you a little nutso over, over it or feeling like you're not doing enough is a bad thing. You don't need it in your life. You're phenomenally successful at 25 years old. You know yourself, you know what your strengths are, uh, you know what's important where you are, what you would miss if you weren't there. It's amazing to me how much self-knowledge you have. I feel like I'm talking to a 40-year-old. Okay. <laughs> it's not a bad place to start and you have a desire, okay? Um, of all the people that start businesses, almost 70% of them have an entrepreneur as a parent. Did you know that? I yeah. didn't. Yeah. So it's uh, when you see a parent who ran their own business, built their own business, you're really getting like your own Harvard MBA growing up under that wing. You know, so you could see that you could work for yourself, right? It's not a big mystery. Like you've worked for the nine to five guy for your whole life. And now you're going to be different, different than your dad or your mom, you know? So you've got that in it as, as a startup advantage, spinning you toward the direction of maybe I should be an entrepreneur. Uh, what you uh, self-professed to me is you have tremendous in intuition. You have, uh, what, what did you call it? IQ, what, what kind? Is it people smarts? So you use another word. 
Emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence. Yeah, that's a common word today, right? Uh, yep. That's another way of saying a good intu intuition as it relates to people and circumstances. Uh, that you can't teach yourself if you don't get it. I mean, you can live a lifetime and get better at it. But when you start out early with it, it's a huge advantage, which you already have. You, know? uh, you told me you were a problem solver. Okay, that's the very nature the core strength of what you're doing now. Somebody's got a problem, you assess it out. And even if you find out it's a different problem, you figure out how to bob and weave and get their problem solved, okay? And you have the people skills to work with the people to get their confidence. And I would even say that's borderline salesmanship because a lot of people have the ability to solve a problem, but they can't persuade a customer right off the gate, come with me on this walk. I can mm -hmm. solve this problem. I want you to go here, here. So you also have the ability to uh, sell to someone you know, or the beginning of that, whether you like it or not. I would say liking to be on your computer without people, your best thing might lean in the direction that maybe salesmanship is not your future. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, the, uh, that you were able to go with your technical knowledge from one industry to another easily from the healthcare to your existing industry, and it's equally applicable, would imply to me, although I don't know your technical part of the position well, I would think your technical part uh, would be applicable to anything, anything. It's another twist to the same thing. And boy, is there a need for technical support in every industry. So you've got a major magic card in your pocket, so you could pretty much do anything. The question is, what do you still need to do should you choose to start your own business? I think what I'm missing mostly is the, and this is kind of off topic, but I get very overwhelmed when it comes to the financial piece of a business. And mm -hmm. that is where I think I don't have any expertise in. So it, it derails me from wanting to start because I know nothing about it. Mm. What if I suggested you take this mentor solution you just thought about and put some dollars and cents on it and go back and pitch it again, how the company can make money? I'm going to ask you, this is why I'm thinking this, would do two things. It would make the company far more apt to do it because business is about making money. I mean, everyone wants to give great customer support, but believe me, the guy at the top with many levels below him or her are sitting there thinking, well, how do I make money on this though? It's going to be an expense and that derails a lot of uh, very good ideas. Maybe you should go back with your plan and try to think how people could be charged. Would you like a specialized mentor program? Blah, 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 blah. What could you get away with? What could you charge? So you're actually building a money-making uh, new portion of your business for your employer. It would also serve to get you to look at what you perceive as a weakness that I doubt very much is a weakness. It's probably a lack of exposure. And so maybe cut your teeth on thinking, hey, I mean, not that, you not that you're the answer man and could predict the future, but you probably could, if you know what the customers you're working with pay for this and that, you could probably kind of look at it and think, well, they pay between probably 40, 50 bucks a month, maybe 40 to 80 bucks a month. I'm not sure. That, that's good enough to go on a proposal, a chart. You don't have to be exact, you know? But why don't you go back and pitch it again with the understanding you want to run it? And you know, if you get, if you go in there uh, and really prepare, over-prepare, uh, one thing that's helped me because I had a very hard time proposing anything to large developers in New York. They were giant, they were rich, they were bullies. And I was a girl, it was a man's market, scary. 
Okay. Uh, but somewhere along the way, I kept asking myself, uh, pretend you're a man. I know it's weird. I kind of pretended I'm a man, you know, and what would a man do? He'd raise his hand. What would a man ask for? He'd ask for more money. What would a man, not true of all men, of course, that's stereotyping, but it helped me shift on my feet a lot till I got comfortable asking for what I wanted, you know, and something about asking for what you want in a definite way has to be practiced. You're not good at it coming out of the gate because we're all raised to please people. Mm -hmm. But what if you use that as an experiment to see if you're really lacking anything? That being said, you're very capable of starting your own business. Um, And the team you could form could be your own team behind you. You haven't had experience hiring people yet, right? No. If you start that division of the company, you'll probably need to hire people if you're in charge. And that will give you that experience as well. And you might find have choosing the people that work for you is far more satisfying than uh, choosing people working for somebody else, you know? And you'll see if you're good at it. But you shouldn't be in such a rush. You sound to me like you're four years away from starting your own business, but make a list of what you lack and use the current job you had to train yourself, to get the training at their expense if you can possibly finesse that. And let me tell you what you have going for you. You're good looking, <laughs> you're female, you're young. So people will be biased into thinking you have the answers maybe before the old guy at top has it. And that guy probably isn't even so old, he or she. Uh, <laughs> but you have to pick up your volume and practice taking your power. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Yeah, say it in a different way. That makes sense. That makes sense. There you go. That's the voice we're presenting. Uh, no more. I'm pleasing you. What do you think of my idea? But hey, have I got an idea? It's great advice, honestly. Yeah. Uh, you don't need to find your passion. You already f- have something you're really enjoying. You just need to think of how to make a business of it. And it's right before you from what I see. You're doing it already. You just need to develop the skills to do for yourself. What the few tiny pieces you're missing. And they're not big pieces and they're not so important, honest to God. Hey, some of my best questions, honest to God, come into my Business Unusual Facebook group. I'm going to answer those questions today. We're going to try it rapid fire style, 30 seconds or less. And by the way, if you're interested in business, don't miss my Business Unusual Facebook group. We have the coolest conversations going on there. I'm learning more from people than they're learning from me. Bass's question is, we're looking to grow a consulting business on a limited budget. What's the difference between marketing and sales and what needs to come first? (laughs) Sales always, because a sale is money in your hand. Marketing is simply a path to a customer who has their money in their hand. It's not close enough. So put your emphasis on sales and face-to-face increases your odds on selling something, probably by a thousand percent. Selena's question is, how do you find purpose in your life? Whoa, big question. I put purpose in my life in everything that I do. I worked 23 jobs and I had purpose in every one. The purpose was making the customer happy, making my boss happy, and bringing home the cash to my parents who barely afford to feed their kids. That gave me great purpose. It's easy to find purpose, find it in what you're doing. And that's all we have time for today. If you have a question, leave me a voicemail on the Business Unusual hotline, 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. You can also tweet it to me at Barbara Corcoran, and I may just answer it on a future episode.
You've been listening to Business Unusual with me, Barbara Corcoran. Come back next week to hear more steps and missteps I took on the path to success. Search and follow Business Unusual on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.